Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. If you have your Bible, open up to Zechariah. At the faith conference, I'm still unpacking things that were spoken at the faith conference, and I've been praying, and uh, the sermon notes are kind of just a a wide-open page for us today because I I have so many things that I'm unpacking prayerfully, and God's been speaking a multitude of things to me that I believe are for our church family and for our body and for our region, And, and I'm trying to walk this stuff out because I know that we're, and you know that we're, a called people. We're a gifted people. And God is at work. We're in this ramp season and he's doing amazing things. He's always been doing amazing things. I think the ramp season is not that God's doing more, but we're more attentive. I think he's always been at work. And and I just want to, I don't know, I just want to follow through on a couple of things. Zechariah has come to me and, and I just, um, <laughs> that sounded kind of weird, like Zechariah came to me in a vision. I don't mean that. So I want you to, here's what I want you to know about Zechariah. The time frame when we're reading about this, because it's very prophetic and it's, it, it's all about our walk with Christ. It's, it's a time frame when they came out of Babylon. And Babylon was a, they were there 70 years in Babylon. And they came out of Babylon, which is, which really means confusion. I think Pastor Jeff shared about Babylon a few weeks ago. And by the way, didn't Cheryl Yates do a tremendous job last week? Thought she did wonderful. Uh, and, and so after 70 years of, of feeling like they're in the wrong place, feeling out of place, God brings them back like he promised through this leadership of uh, Zerubbabel. That's a cool name. I wish kids would, parents would name their kids Zerubbabel. Uh, and Joshua and this this really cool stuff. So God was using them, and we'll not get into that in, in just a little bit, but he was using them to come back. Uh, matter of fact, Zechariah is, the name Zechariah actually means the Lord remembers. Jehovah remembers. And In this life, dealing with confusion in certain seasons, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget. Now, we know the scripture teaches us the Lord does not remember our sins because that's under the blood. But he does remember his promises. The problem with us is we remember our sins and forget his promises. So I want us to remember the Lord is at work. We're a gifted people. We're a called people. We know we're ambassadors of Christ and we're faith people. We're grace people. God is at work in our life. But there's some things that we need to remember when the enemy is trying to make us forget, when circumstances are trying to make us forget. There's things that we have to remember. And I love this because what happened is they had started rebuilding the temple. They started rebuilding it. And when they, when they had started, and this is in other scriptures and in other books in Haggai and different places, but when they started rebuilding the temple, 
from it was built and then it was destroyed and then it was built again. And if you study the history of Jerusalem, that place has been built and destroyed, built and destroyed, built and destroyed. And and when you look in scripture about Jerusalem and Mount Zion, it's prophetic about the church. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we don't come to Mount Sinai, we come to Mount Zion. So the the Zion is, is a prophetic picture of the church. And the church is not the building, the church is the people that Jesus is building. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But just like Jerusalem, there's times that destruction happens. There's times where storms come. There's times when when attacks come where where the enemy and circumstances and other people are trying to overthrow the temple of God and destroy the living stones that are being built. And and so what has to happen is sometimes there's a little bit of rebuilding, not re-saving. We're not getting saved again. We don't have to get saved every week. We don't have to get re-baptized after every struggle. We don't get saved every week. That, That part is fixed. Our foundation is fixed. It's done. It's complete. But in this world, uh, you know, the even though our life is built upon the rock and our foundation will not be moved, we go through stuff that, that knocks down some rooms and knocks down some elements. And we have to allow the Lord in different seasons to help us remember so that we can rebuild. Some of y'all are rebuilding your marriage. Some of you are rebuilding you after a failed marriage. Some of you are rebuilding a business that God called you to. So whatever the Lord is rebuilding or building in you, you need to understand that the Lord is remembering. He's remembering the original design. He's remembering the original calling. Because the word redemption, when somebody is redeemed, it means reinstated and restored back to the original calling. And when God gives a second chance, it's never second rate. And I believe He's rebuilding you. He remembers, but you need to remember. Because what happened is they started rebuilding through a period of, scholars say, about 12 to 15 years, they started rebuilding, and then they got distracted. And then they got wore out. And then they got a little bit lazy. Other things became more of a priority. And little by little, they stopped the rebuilding process. And the funny thing about it is they blame God when it's never His fault. It's never his fault. We live in a fallen world with a real enemy and immature people. I was going to use a different word, but immature sounds better. So as we look at this, I want, I want you to, to just get this, that Zechariah means Yahweh remembers. Jehovah remembers. And we need to remember some of these things. And I'm, I'm just going to one, two, skip a few f- through a, a, a few things and kind of just when I feel like the Holy Spirit's like, I'm going to stop. So the first thing is in verse three. I want you to see in chapter one, verse three. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, which is the Lord of the angel armies, return to me, says the Lord, and I will return to you. Now, in the book of James, it says, draw near to me and I will. See, some of you have returned to church. That's great, but returning to church does not always equate to returning to Christ. I'm so happy that you're here. You being here 
is a, is a confident statement of your trust in the Lord. Your being here is you saying, I'm willing. You being here is a big step. And some of you that are watching at home, you know you need to be here. You know you need to be here. And whatever excuses, some of you have legitimate stuff, but whatever your excuse is, you need to get here. You need to be here. So I'm glad that you're here, but it's not returning to church. It's returning to me. He says, come to me, return to me. Because he's your source, he's your life, he's your everything. And he says, you return to me, I'll return to you. So he's made the way. And, it, and through the finished work of, of the cross of Jesus Christ, there, He's made the access to the Father. We come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. We have complete access. There is nothing, there is nothing, no demon, no circumstance, no situation, no abuse, no attack. There is nothing that can legitimately or officially block your access to what Jesus made accessible. There's nothing. There's nothing unless you let it. Unless you give it that power. And so he's saying to these people that had started rebuilding and then got distracted and weary and, and they, they just forgot and got sidetracked and, and their lives just started settling for something less, trying to, to survive in something less. And, and probably still go to church, but stop living from Christ. And what he says is, return to me and I will return to you. Many of us have it backwards. Just like I said, the Lord does not remember our sins, but they're in the sea of forgetfulness because uh, he's already dealt with them and through the blood of Jesus and it's a finished work. But he does remember his promises and how we remember our, the sin, our sins and forget the promises of God. We have this equation backwards too. God, you return to me and I'll return to you. As if you're at the center of this equation. And you're waiting on God to take this step when He already came down and gave you Christ and gave you this covenant of redemption to walk in, but you have to take the step. He's knocking at the door. You have to open. And when you open the door, He will come in. And that's not salvation. Salvation is, is that being birthed as a child of God, as a baby in Christ, being born again, the Spirit of God comes into you because you believe Jesus is Lord and God raised Him from the dead and you, you believe that in your heart, confess that with your mouth and you become born again, you become saved. That's where Christ comes to live in you. The knocking on the door and the opening of that door uh, in, in Revelation 3 is about fellowship, not salvation. That you walk with them. Just like in a marriage, you can be married but have a terrible dysfunctional marriage because you don't have the relationship. You will say, technically I'm married, legally I'm married, but I don't have the joy and the fellowship of, of this relationship. And then what happens is when, you, you're, when you're empty in that fellowship, you're not walking together, you start looking for other, other relationships. And that's how it is with some people who are saved, who come to church but don't come to Christ. They return to church but don't return to Christ. They're saved. I'm saved. But they're not walking with the Lord. 
They've not returned to Him. And in this ramp season, when God is at work, I'm telling you, He's at work in, in a powerful way. And you want to receive what He's saying and what He's doing in this season, in this moment. You're going to have to take action. And you're going to have to return to Him. And you're going to have to remember His promises. And part of His promise is, you return to me, I will return to you. And so, I just love how He's speaking this um, and you know, by the way, that word re return there, this is just, I'm just, I'm letting myself go free this morning to chase as many rabbits as I want. That word return, by the way, is a really cool word. It means to actually return back to the starting place. Doesn't mean you get saved again. Doesn't mean you're born again again. What it does is you go back to the finished work of Christ and you remember the promises are already complete. Because when you live through life and you go through life, sometimes it feels like God has forgotten. And so you go, go back to the starting place, which is Him. He is your life. And His finished work is your life. And when you go back to that starting place, you remember nothing has changed, even though it feels like everything has changed. Nothing has changed. My circumstances change because they're temporary. My emotions change all the time because I'm crazy. But the finished work of Christ and the promises of God never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has changed. We're returning to the starting place. remembering what he's done. And once you skip a few, you just look over, turn the page, you'll see it was going through the rest of the chapter. It was about 70 years, and, and he speaks uh, amazing stuff. Look over maybe in um, uh, Zechariah 1. Oh, my goodness, the whole thing is good. 16, he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, I'm returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it. The Lord of hosts, a surveyor's line, uh, shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. He goes, oh my goodness, he goes down. He says, again, proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my city shall again. And notice it was Jerusalem, and now he's saying my city. So it's expanding. Shall again spread out. That means, that word spread out means to overflow. You know, God doesn't want you to have just enough. God wants you to overflow. Flow. He doesn't want to fulfill greed. He doesn't want to fulfill materialism. He doesn't want to fulfill any of that kind of stuff, but he does want you to overflow that abundant life. He wants to overflow in your life. And he says through overflow through prosperity, which is always for the purpose of and the Lord will again comfort Zion. And Zion always represents the church, according to Hebrews 12. And we will, He will again choose Jerusalem. So He chose Jerusalem just like He chose you. We didn't choose Him. He chose us. And the only reason we had a choice to choose Him is because He chose us. But I love how it says, like when it seems like things have changed, He says, I choose you again. You know, every day God's like, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you again. I choose you again. I did some crazy stuff last week. I choose you again. I choose you again. The problem is we don't choose him again.
So he's saying, I'm, I'm choosing you again. I, I love that. You go into chapter 2, and he, he this awesome vision about building the temple and the four winds of heaven and speaking to all this stuff. And verse, down to verse 12, it says, And the Lord will take possession of Judah, that's talking about the kingly tribe, and his inheritance in the holy land, and will again choose Jerusalem. So what he's saying, Zechariah is saying, the Lord remembers, the Lord is with a spirit of remembrance, is saying, I choose you again, return to me, I choose you again, return to me, I choose you again, return to me. That's why you never need to get weary by coming to an altar. You don't need to come to an altar as if you don't have something. You need to come to an altar as if you are you are receiving again what you already have. Because it's finished, it's done, it's complete. Your righteousness is a gift that is complete. It's, it's, it's totally, you're, you're whole, it's finished, it's done. So you stir yourself up with a sense of reminder every time you come to the altar, every time you come to the presence of the Lord, you remind yourself that it's already done. Stop asking God to give you what He's already giving you. And say, Lord, I thank you that I have it. I, I, sometimes I got to remember where I put it, but I thank you that I have it. And you stir yourself up in that, that the peace of the Lord is mine instead of sitting there saying, Lord, return to me with peace. God, return to me with peace. I need peace. God, are you not going to return to me? The, 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 the equation is I return to him. And the way you return to him is you say, Lord, you are my peace. You are my peace. You've already finished that on Calvary. So I'm returning to the starting place and I'm saying, Lord, thank you that you are my righteousness. You are my peace. You are my joy. You are my identity. You are my authority. And so I'm coming back as you're rebuilding parts of me in this season in my life. I go back to the foundation and that you are my life. What I do is not who I am. What you've done is who I am. And when I have that revelation and believe that, it'll change what I do. And so it's returning to the Lord and He's choosing us again in chapter 3. Holy moly, is amazing. He gets into chapter 3 and it's just incredible. He says, look at 3 verse 1. Then He showed me Joshua, and that represents Jesus, the high priest. Joshua represents Jesus, the high priest. He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing there before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at His right hand to oppose Him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. It's like Garrett talking about taking out that sword. Garrett, I, I, he might need counseling. He was talking kind of violent earlier. <laughs> punching people in the face, punching spirits in the face or whatever. I don't know, you know. Uh, not, yeah, knocking heads off and stuff. And, and so this reality is, is the presence of the Lord and the presence of Satan. And the Lord just takes authority. The Lord rebuke you. And standing at, um, verse 2, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, and the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Notice that, get this, get this. This is, this is relationship. This is Satan coming to attack the chosen of the Lord. See, and once the Lord chooses a person, place, or thing, that person, place, or thing now, now has the highest value. And Satan comes to steal, kill in. And he's trying, to, he's trying to dismantle and discredit 
He's coming at you. But just because he's coming at you, matter of fact, when you're being attacked, you need to be like, yeah, I deserve to be attacked. Because I'm valuable. I'm valuable. And you know what you need to do? I thank you, Lord, that you have made me valuable, that you are my shield and you are my help. And in, and in Jesus' name, Satan, the Lord rebukes you. And you stand up and you talk back to that nonsense that's talking to you. Look down to verse 4. He also answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. He says, See, I have removed the iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. You know, that's, that's prophetic to what the Lord has already done in you. You might be walking in sin externally, but if you're a believer in Christ, if you truly are a believer in Christ, and you're not just faking it, if you, if you really have been born again, you, He has given you that robe of righteousness. And the way you overcome sin is not trying to ask God to give you power or something that He's already given you. It's to say, I'm going to go back to the source, back to the starting place. You have given me the gift of righteousness, meaning I have the ability and the grace to do right in any situation. But, but I feel this, or but I don't care what your body does. You are not your body. Your body is a tent. You're going to drop that sucker off before you go to heaven anyways. You're a spirit being who's been made complete in Christ. You're the chosen of the Lord. Christ in you. He who's in you is greater than he who is. He's building and rebuilding you. And you got to go from the foundation up. Return to him. Return to what he's done for you. Return to that and start with that. That I'm not filthy, so why would I play with filth? I'm not a sinner, so why would I mess with sin? That don't make no sense. You know why I don't get up and run every morning? Because I ain't a jogger. If I'm running, y'all better run because I'm running from something. I'm not a jogger. You know why I don't go to the gym? Because I believe... (laughs) I'm going to leave that alone because I probably should go to the gym. You know? But the reality is you're not a sinner anymore. If you've been born again, you're not a sinner anymore. So sin doesn't make sense. You're the saints of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. So what makes sense is for you to walk rightly before the Lord, not in your strength, but in the Spirit of the Lord, which is we're going to land on here in a second. You got to go back to who you are. Go back to the starting place. When you get in crooked places out here, you're getting off track, go back to the starting place. Not to get saved again and start all over again, but to remember who He is. Remember what He's done. Remember that He's already put the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. He is my righteousness. He is my peace. He is my identity. He is my authority. And I have every ability to stand in authority in Christ, to stand up to to my flesh and say, you are crucified, sit down, shut up, we're done. And, And over the enemy... Satan, the Lord, rebuke you. I know I'm valuable in Jesus' name. I'm not valuable without him, but he made me valuable. And so in his authority, I tell you, get behind me. And you talk back to those things that are talking to you. 
Depression shows up and you got these voices in your head. Don't be like, oh, it showed up again. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's back. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Oh, my gosh. Here it comes again. Oh, my. Stand up and be like, oh, you want to fight? I'll fight. You want to fight? I'm froggy. I'll tell you something. And you talk back to those voices that are talking to you. Because anything that has a voice is a person. And you need to stand up in your identity in Christ and says, no, that does not agree with my identity. And so I take authority over that in Jesus' name and say, the Lord rebuke you, depression. But what happens is we return to depression instead of returning to the Lord. We return to alcohol instead of returning to the Lord. We return, or I'm not going to say we because I don't. Maybe you do. Y'all return to whatever you return to. You return to your pornography. You return to whatever it is because there's a false safety net. When you begin to see it for what it really is, it's a trap. It's a lie. It's not God's will for your life. When you see that, when you see that, you realize that's sin. I'm not a sinner. It would have made sense to be in sin when I was a sinner, but now I'm a saint. I've been made new. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. So in the new I'm returning to the new, and I'm reminding myself I'm a saint, so this don't make sense. And you take authority. You take authority over it. Man, I love me some Zechariah. Skip over to verse 4 for sake of time. Skip over to verse 4, or chapter 4. Now the Lord, uh, now the angel who talked with me, verse 1, came back and wakened me. You know what that word means, wake me, awaken? It, it literally means to open my eyes, to bring me, to, to rise up and to stand. It means to move from death unto life. It means to stand up and to stir up. So he awakened me as a man who is wakened out of sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? And so he said, I'm looking and there is a lampstand that represents the lampstand. All just like Zion always represents the church of the new covenant. The lampstand always represents the presence of Christ. That's what Jesus in the book of Revelation said. I'll remove the lampstand. Doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation. What it means is you're going to fall into a marriage that has no fellowship. And out of the lack of fellowship with the Lord is where you turn to fellowship with darkness. So the fellowship with the Lord and the lampstand of God is huge. A lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it and on, uh, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps and two olive trees are by it and at, one at the right of one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who walked with me or talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel uh, who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? That's an awkward, like, you know, like, no, I don't know what it is. And I said, No, my Lord. And he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. So Joshua is the high priest. Zerubbabel is the governor. What those two things represent in the new covenant is the king-priest anointing. And we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests. Why? Because Jesus is king of kings and he's also high priest. Because who he is is now who we are. 
So we are high priest, we are priest under the high priest, and we are king under the king of kings. He's given us that anointing. So the two, that you'll see this here, that these two olive trees are those two people. He says, so the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I'm going to skip down and read, and I'll come back to that verse. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace to it. The hands, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple and his hands shall also finish it. Then you will know the Lord of hosts. It goes on. It's so, it's so incredible. Uh, skip down all the way down to verse 14. It's talking about who are these two olive trees. He, he says very plainly, the two olive trees in verse 14. He said, these are the two anointed ones. That phrase anointed ones literally means sons of fresh oil. So let me just, let me just summarize because I can just keep going. So what's happening, he's rebuilding the temple. He's awakening this leadership. He's awakening the leadership out of a sleep. He's awakening the people out of the sleep. Apostle Yurton, Dale Yurton, was here uh, at faith conference and spoke a word of the Lord, just like Pastor Zach and some other people did, about awake Awake, you sleeper. Awake and arise, that I have anointed you. Arise from your dust. I have anointed you. He spoke this powerful prophetic word over over this house and over this region that we need to take heed to. That's why I've been unpacking this and stirring up these things within me that we need to awake. We can't just keep going to church. It's not just returning to church. We need to return to Him. And we need to be awakened to another level. We need to be awakened in this ramp season to come up to another level because you may be satisfied with where you are, but what happens is when you're not advancing, the enemy is still advancing. And so where you are, if you stay there too long, then you're going to be overwhelmed by a darkness that you never knew because the darkness is still moving and rising and growing and working in this world. And if you don't keep walking with Christ, if you don't keep rising and walking with Christ, then you will find yourself, if you sit still, and if you're lazy and complacent, you will find yourself overwhelmed by darkness, and you'll think, where did it come from? It's because if you're not growing, you're dying. And you need to walk with the Lord. You can't just be complacent. You need to walk with the Lord in this thing. And worship team, I want you to go ahead and come back up. But this reality, this reality of walking with the Lord and, and knowing that He's increasing you and growing you, it's, it's sons of fresh oil. So we understand that in each one of us, Christ is in us. And if Christ is a king and a priest, then inside of us, we have a kingly anointing and a priestly anointing. We have both of them inside of us. And we need to learn how to operate in that in our life. And as we operate in that, it's, it's, it's by this measure, not by might and not by strength. Some of y'all can do some stuff. And you're doing it for the Lord. And that is the worst thing you could do. Because this thing is not by might, not by strength, meaning what the Lord is rebuilding, what the Lord is building in His temple, that, that we being the temple of the Lord, what He is building and rebuilding 
is not something that man can take honor for or take glory for. It's not, it's not by the strength or the might of man. Some of y'all have some skill. Some of y'all have some ability. Some of you uh, can do a few things here and there. Now, ultimately, you can do nothing without Christ. And what He's doing is something that can only be done by my Spirit, says the Lord. That's why you can, many churches, people return to church and they build a church. They build something that that man can build. But what God is doing at Faith Center and what God is doing in this city and what God is doing internationally through us is building something that John can't build, that Jeff can't build, that you can't build, that all of us together with all of our resources can't build. We're going to watch God build something that only He can build. Because it's not by might, it's not by strength, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. He'll build your marriage. He'll build your business. He'll build you as a man or woman of God. He'll build you in your single life. He'll build us as a church together, living stones. He will build it. Because what this verse tells us, that it's not by might, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord, then, then what he's doing is notice what, notice what it was, that he is the foundation stone. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation stone. But it also says that he's the finishing stone. That he's the capstone. So from the foundation to the finish. From the good work he began to the one he will finish. From the author and the finisher of your faith. He's both. He's both. And he's present all the way in between. So it's not like he gives us faith and he's going to meet us at the finish line. But it's up to us until then. That's a life of performance. That's a life of working under the law. Trying harder, striving and working. That's a life driven by performance. I have to do more. I have to be more. And God doesn't call you to perform. We're not a performance-driven people. We're a promise-driven people. Because all of the promises of God have their yes and amen. We say amen to it. So we got to know that God, that, that, that you've already promised it. You've already completed it. And so I'm simply unpacking and walking in what's already finished. Because you are my foundation stone and you're my finishing stone. And you're the one that's present doing the work in me and through me. I'm telling you right now. I don't know the best way to say it. But I remember in the early days when God called me and started facing her. Oh, big crybaby. I'm telling you, and some of y'all were here. And many of y'all weren't. But the Lord was doing a beautiful work. He was doing a beautiful work. And in this ramp season, it's also a return season. He's returning us to the things that He's promised. And there's been some distraction between now and then. But He's returning us. He's returning me. He's the God of second chances. And He's returning us back to the calling that He has upon our life for this city and for this region. And even internationally.
And what he did and what he's doing is he took a bunch of messed up people and he did a miraculous work in their life. I had pastors telling me, what are you doing? I had pastors that I loved and trusted that would come to me and says, you have no right to be a pastor. You've not been to Bible school. You've not been to seminary. I can't even spell seminary right now if I had to. And I'm not dogging that. You can do that if you want to. But when I prayed, when people were offering to pay for me to go to seminary, I prayed. I felt like the Lord said, no, I'll teach you. And I had pastors and leaders tell me, you're not able. You can't do it. Mocking me and talking down to me. And I just said, listen, i got to do this, not because I want to, but because I feel the invitation of the Lord, and I feel the presence of the Lord, and I feel His Spirit, not my might and not my strength, because I was fully aware I had none. But what I did have is an open ear to heaven. And I heard Him, and I followed Him. And then some people started coming. And I actually felt sorry for them. And then we started being a people of prayer, being a people of praise, and the Spirit of God started moving upon people. And through different seasons, just like the work in the days of Zechariah, in the, in the building, the people got distracted, the leaders got distracted, I got distracted, things happened, whatever. And I'm telling you, the, what, I, what I see, and I hope you see it too. I, just, I don't even have to, to explain it. But we are right smack dab in the middle. The verse goes on to say, don't despise small beginnings. There is a new beginning. There is a new launching. There is a new beginning. Face Center 2.0. There's a new beginning. I'm more excited to relaunch this church right now than I was at the beginning. And I believe you're here because God wants you to be a part of it. But it's not by might. It's not by our strength or our ability. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. So we have to return to Him. We have to return to Him and let His gifting unfold in us. Let obedience motivated by love unfold in us. And walk in what He wants us to be, do, and have and give to other people. And I feel like there's a second chance, fresh oil on your life, on your business, on your family. And the thoughts that come up in your head that are negative and critical, that say, no, 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 I'm not going to fall for that. No, no. That's unbelief. And you need to crucify it. You need to repent from it. And you need to walk in, in, in with the Lord. So here's what I'd like to do. 
I want to invite you to believe with me that the Lord is giving us a second chance. That he is rebuilding something that will transform this city and this region. Not because we're great, but because he is. And we're not the only ones he's using, but he's using us. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to go into just a a song or two in worship. Let me get the prayer team to come back up front. And here's how we start. If you're here and you say, I don't know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I've come to church. I've come to church. But just coming to church doesn't mean you've come to Christ. Maybe you're here and you've never married the Lord. You've never made the the decision and the commitment to come surrender your life to him and say I believe you are Lord I believe God raised you from the dead and I'm coming to yield my life to you that means if if you haven't done that and you were to die today you have no confidence of where you would go if that's you I want you to come to these and say, I need to give my life to the Lord. If you're here and you're like, I know the Lord. I know I'm saved, but I've been distracted. And I've been derailed, like significantly, not just a little, like I had a bad day. And you need to come and just say, Lord, I'm giving my life back to you. I'm returning to you. You need to come back. And for those who are saying, Lord, I believe you're doing a second chance in me. I believe what my pastor is saying. I believe it's like it's like fresh. There's fresh oil on it for me right now. I believe you're giving me a second chance in this season. At a first, you're giving me a second chance on a first-rate calling. Then you can come to pray with one of them or come to the altar or just come up and worship as a testimony of it. And let's just seek the presence of the Lord. And let's just, as we worship him and bless him, you come right now if you need prayer for any of those reasons. Maybe some of you are saying, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need his power in my life. I need power in my life. You come and they'll pray for you. So if you need prayer for anything, come right now. And as I pray, let's just go into a time of worship. Father, in Jesus' name, we believe you are remembering your promises over our life that you are stirring us up, awakening us as a man who's being awakened from sleep. And Lord, we don't want to miss the time of your habitation and visitation in our life. We don't want to be distracted. Our heart is to walk with you and to know you. So Holy Spirit, I pray you move amongst your people. Speak to your people. Let your grace overflow. Let your spirit begin to move and solidify faith in our hearts. Bring healing to those who need healing. Hope to those who need hope. And release life to those who are being born again. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord. 
Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.